This is a Voice in the Wilderness podcast channel. This is the segment Mental Mori, episode number two. The topic of which is going to be Romanticism has no place in Catholicism. But first, a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. All that I am, all that I have, all that I do shall be consecrated to the service, honor, and glory and exaltation of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and the Heavenly Kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, Immaculate Heart of Mary, please pray for us. Sacred Heart of Jesus, please pray for us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, amen. So, Just trying to gather my thoughts here. Um, so one of the other concepts that is integrated with the concept of mental mori is not romanticizing anything on this earth if you can possibly avoid it. And as I said, is the, the the for the main topic today. Um, romanticizing anything or anyone while you're here on Earth is not compatible with Catholicism. It just is now. Some people are going to say, well, I'm married or, you know, um, I love my grandmother. I love my, uh, my mom and dad. I love my brothers and sisters. And as I've stated in previous episodes, loving your loved ones is not wrong. The Catholic Church doesn't teach it. And I don't believe that. In, in that concept anyway, that it's wrong to love your loved ones. However, having said that, Jesus makes it quite clear in the Gospel according to St. Matthew. I'm not sure if it was the Sermon on the Mount, St. Matthew chapters 5 through 7, where he tells his audience, those who will not reject father, um, wife, husband, mother, brother, sister, for my sake, cannot call themselves my disciple. And honestly, a lot of people are ignorant. So, and by the way, um, going back to the concept about a broke clock being right twice a day. Even when I was a Protestant, some of my Protestant uh, pastors would teach, he wasn't saying hate their guts. He wasn't saying hate their guts and treat them like garbage. 
what, what, what our Lord was saying is, is that anything that is going to keep you from reaching heaven, what should be your final destination, what should be your final goal, um, they, they should reject it completely and utterly. In other words, um, if you have a loved one who's either a stumbling block to your um, sanctification or your piety, then you should try to avoid them at all costs. Now, obviously, if it's a loved one or a family member, you know, <laughs> not completely possible. However, um, those of you who do have are blessed with a, a priest and get the uh, get the sacraments regularly or have access to a spiritual advisor, talk to them. Now, for those of you who may be in an area where there is no set of a contest priest and it's not a possibility to take care of that, my suggestion is, because my, my situation, although slightly different, is kind of similar, use your initiative and um, read what the saints say. Read some spiritual books. And thank you, Mother Mary and Lord Jesus. I'm going to tackle that subject. Anyhow, um, take the initiative. You know, um, there is a place. There is a place for... Uh, For um, in certain matters that you know the the church does have a hierarchy, um, you know we we are supposed to attempt as best as we are able to follow the um the rules of the church as best as we can. But that is only if we have access to a spiritual advisor or a priest or a bishop. Um, once again, this goes back to ignorance. If you're not any, any good pre-Vatican II prayer book is going to have the the, the prayer of spiritual communion or um, the act of contrition. I'm just getting it out there. And as far as the saints go, because I've run into this attitude where, well, you know... Um, I need a spiritual advisor to read the saints. Why? 
just from a common sense perspective, it doesn't make sense. And I'll tell you why. Um, there, a lot of the spiritual writers wrote um, to people, or I'm sorry, their books got to people who may not have had access to a spiritual advisor. And if they took the attitude, well, I, I don't have a spiritual advisor. I shouldn't read this book. To me, that sounds more like an excuse to not do it than it sounds like a legitimate excuse. Um, now, am I saying that if, if you're in an area where you can go down to your set of a contest church for weekly services and it's well staffed with priests that you shouldn't take your spiritual questions to them. I'm not arguing that. I'm not arguing that. I mean, if you feel the need. But it kind of defeats, defeats the purpose, spiritual writing, if people take the attitude, well, you know, it's kind of a deep concept and I don't, I don't want to be doing the wrong thing. Um, that's, that's a wrong spiritual attitude to take. Um, God does not give us the spirit of fear. And if you're not reading spiritual books because you're afraid that you're going to do something wrong, that's a erroneous concept of our Lord himself and an erroneous concept of his mercy. As I've said in several episodes, our Lord is not, he's not a warrior. As long as your intention is good and sincere that's that's all he he wants from us anyhow this this is not what this is about so romanticism um I've seen a lot of romanticism. And by the way, once again, disclaimer, a lot of the things I talk about on both of my podcasts, I've either been guilty of in the past or am guilty of presently, but I'm doing the best I can with our Lord and his blessed mother's help to get over that. But, um... People in the proper spiritual framework. And I've been accused of being cynical. Um, not lately, but I'm saying when I was a pagan, people used to tell me, man, you're cynical, you're dark. 
And, you know, to those who were meaning it as a backhanded compliment, I would explain to them that if you go into something with a romantic notion, let's say service in the United States Masonic Armed Forces, and you have romantic ideas about it, and those ideas get rudely dispelled, it tends to make a person uh, uh, just a hair bit cynical. Just a hair. And... Once again, going back to the concept of the things on a natural level are just mere shadows of the spiritual concept. So, um, not being romantic or, dare I say, cynical in the natural sense has its basis in not holding romantic ideas in the spiritual and in our walk with our Lord and His Blessed Mother. There are a lot of set of accountists who put their priest or their um, bishop on a pedestal. And if they had the proper spiritual framework, they wouldn't be doing this, number one. But number two, they're putting themselves in spiritual danger because because of the first uh, thing that I said, that they're putting a human being on a pedestal, which you shouldn't be doing if you understand, you know, the teachings of true Catholicism correctly. But number two, if you don't have that proper understanding and somehow or another, and by the way, it doesn't have to be a priest or a prelate. could be a spouse, could be your kids, could be a family member. But if you put them on a pedestal where they can do no wrong or what I call sanct or sanct, then... When they let you down, which we're talking about human beings, so let's bottom line this. Every human being in existence, and I'm not excluding myself from this, is going to let you down. Because, hello, humans, hello, uh, uh, Original sin, or as the Catholic Church theologians say, concupiscence, they're going to eventually let you down. And if you don't have this spiritual mindset, this could lead to despair. Once again, we're not led to being fearful and we are not led to a feeling of despair. Um... And amongst a certain type of set of accountants, and by the way, everything, you know, <laughs> to my long-term listeners, they're going to be like, yeah, this is old hat. You've talked about this tons of times. It's true. But 
the Lord and his blessed mother put it on my heart. So take it for what it's worth. Anyhow, um, I've not, I'm not a wartime vet. I did not see the horrors of Iraq and Afghanistan firsthand. However, and I realized that reading uh, firsthand accounts about the atrocities of war is not the same thing as experiencing it. But trust me, even a secondary knowledge of the atrocities of war um, can be a useful thing. Anybody who's read firsthand the Council War knows that war is not an adventure. War is not an adventure. Um, fighting for our faith is not, an, I mean, it's a duty. But it's not, it, it's, 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 it, duty is not romantic. Duty tends to be, I'm speaking for myself here, um, a grind, difficult, challenging. And when I say challenging, um, there are some days where it's a good challenge and you're like, yeah, need to do this. And there are other days, you know, because we're human, you're going to be like, oh, this is rough. That's why spiritual reading is important. But um, there's nothing romantic about, um, about war. And anybody who is a student of Iraq and Afghanistan, heck, pick any, you know, the Chechen War. These are basically secularized people, pagans, let's call them for what they are, pagans, and a pagan, and once again, a history, uh, knowledge of history helps commit atrocities, whether actual or verbal, on a daily basis. There's nothing romantic about, you know, going into combat against them. And if things head where I think they're going to head, take it for what it's worth, whistle past the graveyard, we're going to see atrocities on a mass level committed with diabolical glee that are going to make the Nazi Holocaust the French Revolution, um, the American Civil War, the Spanish Civil War, the Mexican Civil War, and the Holodomor look, look like a nice picnic out on the, in the sun. We, if we intend on being true spiritual soldiers for our Lord and His Blessed Mother, we have to 
take the attitude that this isn't going to be fun. This isn't, this isn't, you know, so that we can show how uh, capable we are. Because that's, a, as I said in my other episode, that's an improper attitude too. If, if you think that, um, number one, that your spiritual life isn't important, you're going to be in for a rude awakening. But number two, oh, well, there's three aspects. Number two, well, I don't, you know, I really don't need to pray, you know, um, our Lord and his mother, they know me and I can get by without prayers or spiritual reading because I'm just too busy, you know, blah, 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 and everything's going to be okay. Um, I would say that my opinion, that is also an error. But number three, and I've stated this several times, if you think that you and your band of uh, based in red-pilled set of contest Catholics are going to hold off the might of the Masonic Satanist forces that are arrayed against a minority within a minority, I would say you are you have a romantic notion. Now, I know because, believe it or not, I can't assume everyone's listened to everything I've ever put out. When I joined the U.S. Army, my biggest, my biggest wish was to die heroically in battle. Obviously, God had and his blessed mother had different plans for me, but that was my deepest wish. And I know it infects a lot of people. Oh, it's so heroic and brave to die against your enemy. We're not called. That's 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 uh, selfishness on our part. We're not called to do that. We're called to die if it's necessary to give testimony to our faith. In other words, martyrdom. Or, or, if we're dying defending our neighbors. And when I say this, I'm not, you know, a lot of people, a lot of self-contest. Well, my neighbor is my my fellow SETIs. My neighbor is my fellow fellow SETIs. They're your co-religionists. Your neighbors are the pagan drunk next door who plays his music till three in the morning and uh, gets drunk and high and goes to the strip club. Your neighbor is the homeless dude who passes by your house every day um, on his way to wherever he's doing. Your neighbor is um, a friend, uh, well, I said friend, but uh, uh, somebody that we utterly and completely despise which, once again, if you despise the person, you're in the wrong spiritual mindset. And I've found 
especially with a certain type of sedvacantus. They'll talk about pedophiles. And if they had the proper mindset, they'd realize that a lot of seculars have the same, exact same um, feelings. That a pedophile um, should be castrated and locked away somewhere, if, if not out and out killed. And I've run into this attitude in real life. I'm not talking about it, the internet. I've, I've actually run into this. And I had a person come up to me. How could you talk to that dude? He's an admitted pedophile. And I looked him dead in his eye and I said, yeah, at least he has the common decency to admit his, his sin. I said, what have you done that you haven't admitted to? And the guy gave me a, a look like I had sprouted a third eye in my forehead and walked away. Because in, I, I, I can almost hear the guy saying, well, I'm not a pedophile. I don't molest kids. Okay, no, you don't. Well, number one, this goes back to rash judgment. You don't know the dude. How do you know that that dude wasn't molested? Or female, for that matter, wasn't molested. And that's why they do what they do. You don't. That is where the concept of charity comes in. Charity. That means loving your neighbor as yourself. And... For those of you set of contists out there, for that matter, seculars, pagans, who saying, well, I don't molest kids, I don't rob banks, I don't rape, I don't rob, I don't steal, I don't do any of that stuff. Okay, do you get drunk? Do you get drunk? Do you watch pornography on the interwebs? Do you curse? Do you gossip about people you despise? And by the way, those those you know very people that you know robbers, rapists, murderers, prostitutes. Do you hate them? And by the way, when I say hate, I'm not even talking about a visceral hate where if you saw somebody like that, you'd punch them in the face. I'm talking about the kind of hate. That's just generalized. You hold them in contempt. Our Lord ate and drank with those type of people during his ministry. Why do you think the Sadducees and the Pharisees were so pissy with him for what he did? If you have the proper special... Spiritual understanding, you ain't got a leg to stand on to judge anyone. But, um, anyway, I got a little far afield there because this isn't about rash judgment, this is about romanticization.
I I dimly am aware that everything I've ever gone through in my life, and you just have to take my word from it for it that it's not been a bed of roses. Prepared me is preparing me. Because even now as I speak, I'm fully aware that things could turn on a dime. And I could be made a scapegoat for anything. But um, one, one of the 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 blessings and graces of my life was that any romanticism that I had has been not clean out of me. There are many people that I care about. There are many people that I like in, in a generalized way, but I have no romantic ideas about them. And I haven't for a very long time. Um, if you are trying to be a true Catholic and practice your faith sincerely and devoutly, your default position when dealing with anyone, and I don't care if it's the spouse you've been married to for over 10, 15 years. I don't care if it's your um, teenage uh, daughter or son. I don't care if it's your parents, if they're still living, an aunt, an uncle. Your default position is, is that they're going to disappoint you. And another reason why I'm doing this against romanticization, anyone who knows their Catholic history knows that during the persecution of the first Catholics by the pagan Roman Empire, right after the deaths of St. Peter and St. Paul, will tell you that the pagan governmental authorities would often take turncoats from those Catholics and literally have them do a Judas where the guy that they captured and pressured into, some people were tortured, some people were threatened with torture, some people were threatened with their families getting killed, some people were threatened with having their property taken away. Or, in the case of the more, dare I say, malicious ones, they would give them, you know, whatever price that they wanted. You know, 30 talents, 50 talents, 100 talents. Didn't matter. They'd do it for that. And how do we know that this isn't going to happen when the shoe falls. And I guarantee you it's going to. The timeline doesn't matter. Hence, the title of the of these episodes, or I'm sorry, of this series, Mental Mori. The timeline doesn't matter. 
Today is the only time that matters. We can't change the past and we can't change the future. We can only live for today. But how do we know? And for myself, I'm going to say this. I love and respect my priest. I love and respect my bishop. I do. Now, you can call this cynical if you want to. I prefer to think of it as being... um, What's the word I'm looking for? Um, Wise as a serpent, as our Lord would say, that you know they're they're fallible human beings. As far as I know, they're not saints. As far as they know, I'm not a saint. So. There may come a time where they may hurt me deeply. And dare I say, betray me or my fellow believers. Now, before the the 300 IQ takers brigade, paste eating brigade starts in, I'm not saying out of malicious purposes. Remember what I just said. A lot of the Catholics during the the beginnings of the Catholic Church during the pagan Roman persecutions were threatened. And human beings being human beings, they get scared and they do stuff that they wouldn't normally do. What, you think our priests and bishops are somehow... Above all that, that if somebody takes a bishop's beloved nephew or niece or brother or sister or parents, if they're young enough, and says, hey, you know, we know you're a tough guy, but we're just going to start off in your family one by one until you tell us what we want to know or until you denounce said of a contism. That's why I always stress human beings are human beings. You know, um, what makes the saints saints and the reason why the martyrs are saints is because they willingly, through their, you know, through the help, you know, they were so, they were so sanctified that they willingly died for either their faith or for their fellow human beings. By the way, for those of you who don't know, St. Maximilian Kolbe, he wasn't taken out by the Gestapo or the concentration camp guards and shot. He, there was a guy in the camp that they were going to put in a starvation bunker, which basically they tossed him in, you know, it's a cell. They tossed him in the cell, waited for him to die of starvation. He took that dude's place. 
Martyrdom is literally dying either for the faith or your fellow human beings, not just your co-religionists. And we should not get that twisted at all. And there have been there have been instances and in recorded um, martyr history where some of the martyrs gave up their lives for their fellow human beings. But um, if oh and. One another thing, some people would call this romanticism. It's not. It's just pride and egoism. If you're the type of person that says, well, that's everybody else. Me, me, I won't crack. Me, me, I won't crack. But you're not doing the spiritual life. If I were a betting man, I'd lay, it, I'd lay whatever money I had. Let's just say I had $10 million. I'd lay the $10 million that if you weren't practicing your spiritual life and at all and you were indifferent, that outside of a singular grace by our Lord and His Blessed Mother, you'd be the first one to crack. You'd be the first one to turn in. And if you're secular, you're buddies. If you're secular, you'd be the first one. I'll never crack. I'll never crack. You'd be the first one to turn in your buddies. If you're set of a contest, you'd be the first one to turn in your co-religionists. Or denounce the religion. Denounce Jesus Christ and his blessed mother and the one true Catholic church, I might add. So, some people would say, oh, that person has an overly romantic, a romantic view. Of that. No, it's just egoism. It's just egoism and pride. Going back to what I was talking about, where they don't think at least not consciously, they don't think that they, well, I mean, maybe consciously too, but conscious or unconscious, they're wrong. They think, well, you know, I don't, I don't need to pray and I, I don't need our Lord and our lady's help. And, um, you know, the saints, you know, I might invoke a saint's name once or twice or whatever, but you know, they're just abstractions. They have nothing to do with our day-to-day -day existence. This is why I denounce the attitude of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I'm just going to go with what I usually say. Dealing with, with the spiritual, you know, God, His Blessed Mother, the saints, um, as abstractions. The spiritual life is an abstraction. 
These things are very real, and you blow them off at your own risk. And for that matter, you know, um, dealing with the one true Catholic Church is an abstraction. Oh, the saints, the spiritual writers, oh yeah, you know, those were, you know, they're not like me. You know, they're not like me. They were, they were just really super saints and they never had their share of issues. If there's anything, if it were possible for me to pound into my fellow co-religionists is the saints, just like our Lord, were human beings. What? You think St. Teresa of Avila? Um didn't get angry? You don't think she felt sadness? You don't think she felt depressed? Um, St. Augustine? Um, St. Um, uh, oh, what is that guy's name? Um, St. Ignatius Loyola? Um, St. Rita of Cassica. Um, St. Gemma Gagarni. St. Padre Pio. Um, St. Francis de Sales. I mean... I wish I could remember what episode it was. I think it was either Bishop Sanborn or Father Bernard Otley. They were talking about, or no, no, I'm sorry. Those two guys weren't. In my book of the, um, of the four temperaments that has the test, um, there was a story because there are four temperaments and maybe someday I will do a, uh, an episode on this, but there are four temperaments and sometimes to illustrate a temperament, they will take a saint who they think illustrates the temperament. One of the temperaments is chloric. And it's actually one of the few things that I share with St. Francis de Sales. Probably the only thing. Because I couldn't be farther from that guy if I intentionally tried. But they recorded that he was a very caloric personality. And to make a long, drawn-out story short, it just means that they're impetuous and temperamental and they tend, or I should say, we tend to shoot off at the mouth. That he literally, underneath his desk, that there were fingernail grooves underneath his desk whenever he had to deal with somebody that he wanted to chew out and couldn't. Not out of, not out of, because you got to remember, St. Francis of Sales was a bishop. 
He could have chewed him out, but because he was trying to control the bad aspects of his quirk nature, he kept his mouth shut. And instead of chewing them out, made grooves underneath his desk so that he may be more charitable toward them. Follow our Lord's example of charity. So, I think a lot of Catholics, and I'm talking about true Catholics, but even when I was in the Vatican II sect, and I fell into this error on occasion, we forget that the saints are human just like we are. They feel cold. They feel heat. They get hungry. They have to go to the bathroom. They have to put on their clothes just like we do. And I think we forget that, number one, because of their heroic sanctity, but number two, some of them performed actual miracles. Well, actually, in order to be a saint, you, you have to perform a miracle. But we forget the human part, the element of them because of their miracles, because of their heroic sanctity. Just like our Lord. Part of the reason that the traditional Catholic Church or the true Catholic Church teaches uh, devotion to our Lord is that we forget that he was human. That he had a divine nature, but he also had a human nature. And the human nature was so that he could I mean, as our creator, um, he already knew the things that we were going to go through as human beings. But he, he wanted to experience it himself so that he could be just to us. And just like with the saints, a lot of people forget our Lord's human nature. A lot of people forget, I think it was in the Gospel according to St. John, when Jesus was on his way to Bethany because he had gotten word that Lazarus was sick. Being God, he knew Lazarus was going to die, so he purposely waited he purposely waited for Lazarus to die because he knew exactly what he was going to do. And when Lazarus' sister, sisters, I should say, St. Martha and St. Mary Magdalene the Penitent came to him they were in hysterics because they forgot. They, they went into the opposite extreme. They saw the human part of him. Guys, God. And they were like, oh, we know if you just been here, you could have healed him. They forgot. He's God. He could raise the dead. But they were going into hysterics. Now, the following... Disclaimer, disclaimer, the following is just 
my hunch or idea. I am not speaking infallibly. It's just my idea. It is recorded in the gospel according to St. John that while Margaret, I'm sorry, St. Martha and St. Mary were in hysterics that Jesus wept. My idea is, and by the way, I'm not claiming this is original idea. This is just an idea that I have. I'm sure somebody somewhere has already said this. Um, I believe he wept for two reasons. Number one is God. He wept at their lack of unbelief and their lack of understanding. But number two, the human part of him wept because he was sharing in the grief with saints Martha and Mary because they, they loved their brother dearly, as I'm hoping all of you love your brothers and sisters. Anyhow, um, I think this is as good a time as any to stop. I thank you for your time and patience. I really do. I do appreciate it. Um, I hope and pray that people find this edifying. I really do. And I pray for everyone. And I'd like to see as many people get to heaven as possible. But having said that, it is up to each individual. St. Paul was not joking when he said, we must work out our salvation with fear and trembling. So, thank you for listening. Thank you for your time and patience. God bless you. Have a good day. Bye-bye.